It's usually at this point in the arc that I am tired of it. Yeah, I mean that that Extreme Measures is the most episodic I'd say of this arc. It's almost entirely about the adventures of Bashir and O'Brien in Sloane's mind and if that doesn't explain why I felt the episode was lackluster, I don't know what else will. It's uh I don't really care about the section 31 plot really anymore. I think I'm kind of over it, and especially resolving it in this way wasn't really interesting. You can you can tell that they wanted us to be left with, oh, but they could have brought down Section 31, and oh my god, so many secrets. And that, as far as I know, Section 31 is one guy, and he's dead now. Right. I, <laughs> I Yeah, I don't know to what degree we're really supposed to feel invested in the end of the Section 31 plotline. Yeah, I mean... I, I feel like it. it's one of those things where, in, in general... I mean, we talked a lot about this last week with Section yeah. 31, obviously. And I, I don't think that Extreme Measures really does a very good job of, of justifying the, the time that we spent on it. Mm-hmm. And what I think is more galling about it is that it's... It it feels a lot to me like, uh, strangely enough, I remember talking about preemptive strike way back at the end of, of TNG a couple of years ago and, and kind of feeling like it was really uh, uh, a, a weird thing for them to do at that point in the show's run because it was the second to last episode of TNG and yeah. we're wasting it on um, a story about a guest star that we haven't seen in two years. And while Extreme Measures obviously is not that, it does heavily feature Bashir and O'Brien and I do like the Bashir and O'Brien stuff yeah. a lot. I I don't know why we needed an entire episode, yeah. and especially an episode like this, which is essentially a dream sequence for 20 minutes. And I just don't think they're ever very well done. Let me put it this way. I mean, and, and we've spent way too much fucking time on the Adami Ducat, uh, Kai Win Pa Wraiths business. I mean, it would have made more sense if a lot of that had been trimmed and then some of the other storylines from the early episodes given time to breathe. And then you cut the dream sequence in half, add the Ducata and Kai Wynn stuff, maybe that's the A plot. And then you have the—again, just this one storyline, and this is all, for the most part, that we get in this entire episode. There really isn't much of a B plot to it. So yeah, it, it feels like we're t- it feels like a filler episode. This would have been a fine any other time in the series run. It would have been a fine episode. As an episode, I thought I kind of liked it. It was a fine mystery episode. It was it the most exciting? No, but it it, it was fine. It was a it was a good mid tier season five episode. This is the home stretch of the ending and. <sighs> I, I just don't know to what degree we're really supposed, again, to care about any of this. Yeah. Because to me, what it feels like is, I mean, especially since like Section 31 wasn't in the show that much. And it was really only introduced at the end of the fifth, the fifth season. We had that one episode in the sixth season or the seventh season. I don't even remember what the fuck it was. Maybe it was the end of the sixth season. It's all kind of going together in my head at this point. But... You know, and then we have uh, a couple of things about it. Uh, uh, you know, starting the the um, creating the the virus that that Odo is infected with, and the founders are infected with. And you know, I, I get the impulse that they introduce this idea of Section Thirty One. I get the idea that the the crew members and the writers liked the guy who played Sloane and wanted to bring him back. That's fine, but. You're right. I I don't get a good sense that Section 31 is an actual organization at all. And I think that they probably should have fault the impulse. 
like if they want to bring the guy who plays Sloan back, it's going to be a problem because bringing him back implies that Section 31, again, is one dude, like you mm-hmm. said. And either you need to, if you want to resolve the Section 31 plot line, you need to have a different operative come so it does seem like a more expansive thing. Or you need to have a better resolution than this. And, and, and both choices they made here I don't think work very well. Yeah, they even say at one point, oh, it's not, it might not necessarily be Sloan with the very reasonable objection that you know, Sloan is somebody whose field is intelligence, operation, recruitment that we've seen. He's not a doctor. He's not a medical person. How would he, you know, to a very real degree, why would Sloan be the guy who would know how this formula was made? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe he knows everything because he's the head of Section 31. Like, who knows? Yeah. I, that's the problem is it's so ill-defined. And I think that there is a difference between having a shadowy organization where we don't know everything that they're doing and we don't know how they're organized and we don't know who works for them. I get the sense that the writing staff of DS9 doesn't know the answer to those questions and i think that's why it feels so unsatisfying yeah again especially at the end you have Bashir's going through these files and how is he going to take these files out of sloan's brain but that's a different story um he, i mean i guess you're supposed to imply that like he's, he's re- re- he, yeah, yeah yeah but e- either way he's reading them oh you know a click he's on this klingon council and oh he was at this you know section 31 was at this thing and yeah they apparently have all their hands in all these different pies but i can't believe that either i mean again this doesn't necessarily if sloan is as brilliant as the episodes want us to think he is Sloan really could just be one guy, one extremist who has made up this final room and made all of these things as a distraction. I mean, he could – a bunch of writers invented all of these conspiracies, right? Sloan himself could be inventing all of these conspiracies to keep Bashir in his mind and kill him. I mean, is that a fan in theory that's ever been floated? I don't know, actually. I think that's – yeah. Now, one of the implications that – so I assume from this that Section 31 is done for the rest of DS9. Because they're probably this, – this feels resolved and there's enough going on to the finale that it would be – but one of the one of the things that I feel like I assumed or – I mean Section 31 is treated in like novels or something, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So we're uh, – I'm going to assume that Bashir's post-DS9 adventures will include him figuring out how to take Section 31 down, something like that. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about the novels because, you know, frankly, they're not um, – they're outside the purview of this podcast and, you know, they're not canon, quote unquote. But, you know, I just – again, I just feel like for for me what it really comes down to – and again, we talked a lot about this last week, but – Iris Stephen Bear and the rest of the writing staff wanted to examine, you know, the Federation and and kind of dirty it up a little bit. And I get that. You know, it, it's a fine impulse, I guess. But it, Section 31 is so ill-conceived. I yeah. mean, if they had left it alone at the end of Inquisition, if they had just not introduced the idea at all and instead maybe, um, you know, left the events of In the Pale Moonlight as their statement on you know ends justifying the means sometimes i think that may have been a stronger statement on it just section 31 to me is so dramatically bereft of of any real heft or weight that 
you know, they're they're the boogeyman. They can do whatever they want. They can appear wherever they want. They they're doing all this horrible stuff. No one knows they exist unless they do. And it, the more it's one of those things where the more you look at it, the more you're just like they had no idea what they were doing with this. One of the other problems with this episode is there's no real thematic meat that we haven't talked before. Number one, this episode doesn't even really go into the morality of whether or not Section 31 is right or not. We've debated that a couple of times, and I think we're fully on the side of Section 31 is wrong. Fine. Um, The closest to anything meaningful in this and the next episode is – Bashir's entire plan is very Section 31 itself. He's doing this without the knowledge and consent of his superior officer. He's doing this – he's using a Romulan memory scanner, which is very illegal and apparently very unpleasant to go through. Uh, He's doing a lot of over-the-line techniques, off-the-book techniques that – is the is Section 31's exact reason for existing. Sometimes in order to protect – the Federation, things that are beyond the pale need to be done. We're an organization that does that so no one else has to deal with it and, you know, doesn't have to take and, – and can live innocently. So in a way, Bashir is unable to bring down Section 31 without using Section 31 techniques. But this episode is not really interested in that because it thinks the dream world, which isn't a very interesting dream world, number one, is 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 – Well, that's – yeah, I mean, like <laughs> – that's part of the problem. Is I, th- I think you're right. Like I would rather see that episode where they're having to have a real examination of is it right to bring down Section yeah. 31 using the same tactics of the organization. Like that's an interesting yeah. episode, and that actually has something to say. The other part of it too, of course, is that this episode was partially, obviously, a money saving device yeah. so that they could go into the last couple episodes of the the series. You know, because I'm not going to like, I don't think it's going to surprise you <laughs> to know that there's going to be a big space battle and things I, like that. And so at this you know, point, I have, want a big space battle. This show does. It, it, it's fine that they needed to save money, but. But it's like you have him walking around DS9 and then like the corridors of the Defiance set. And and it's it's just not very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, again, I, I try not to let my own, you know, personal uh, uh, biases against certain types of stories. If something is done well, I'll appreciate it. But. I don't like dream stuff. I don't find dream stuff interesting. I never really feel like it's done very well. I, I don't really feel like um, a lot of dream sequences have a different or unique take on them. And this one certainly doesn't. And it, now, of course, it's not a dream, quote unquote, but it's close enough to not really matter. And we've also seen in both TNG and uh, DS9, we've seen very good dream sequences. This is... It, 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 it's the most analogous to the dark page from Next Generation for me where we are specifically in a person's memories. And that was a very haunting and part of that was because we knew these characters. We knew very well the person that whose mind we were in and all of that because of Troy's personal connection to her mother. But even visually, that was a much more interesting episode, much more compelling yeah. episode. Well, and also, I mean, I, I don't know – I don't th- – think it's quite analogous because what's happening in Sloane's mind are not really memories. I mean, you know, you you get the scene in the, um, in the, in the ward room where all of Sloane, you know, Sloane is a very nice, 
looking person who's wearing, a, you know, a not, yeah. not his crazy, you know, fetish gear. And he's got a wife and kids and, uh, you know, the public all, face is Sloan. Yeah. Right. And like all of his friends and all of his family. And he's saying, like, I'm here to apologize because I my life was so horrible because I was in Section 31 and my entire life was devoted to uh, 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 living in the shadows to, to help the Federation and whatever, you know. And and I, I again, I feel like the, the entire episode, each scene is just. It goes to. It doesn't go for, far enough. Yeah. It doesn't go under the surface. Like that scene would have been very interesting to me if it would have. If it, Sloan had been asking questions about why did I do this? Yeah. It, was it actually worth it for me to to ruin my entire personal life to go through this? And now, of course, the man is dead, and he's not an old man. I mean, how old yeah. do you think he is? He's, in his forties? About that. I mean, it's it's. And they imply that they're trying to do something where there's the good – again, the good half of Sloan, the public-facing half of Sloan, his cover identity, his family, maybe who he was when he's not dealing with Section 31 stuff. Is there a version of Sloan that is not at all times thinking of Section 31 stuff? And then you have the evil version of Sloan. Has this person fragmented and compartmentalized these selves? Is he – what – it suggests a psychology to Sloan that the episode is not interested in examining, but I can't tell what the episode is interested in examining. Yeah, I, I don't know either. And I think that that's really what what it comes down to is that it, it, it almost seems like they were trying to use Sloan to say something about Bashir specifically. And again, I just don't know what that is supposed to be. You know, we know Bashir is a noble guy. We know he's a good guy. You know, we know that he is a self-effacing, you know, he is basically the public face of Sloan. And if the episode had gone a little further in that direction, like that's the thing is like there's like four different more interesting directions that this episode could have gone in that we don't get. And and especially, especially coming on the heels of you know, the previous six episodes, which were so heavily serialized for this one episode to feel like a very self-contained one-off episodic, you know, episode is, is weird. Yeah. The, I mean, the incident with the Romulan, you know, memory scanners, again, that's, that's Bashir making an active section 31 kind of choice. And, this would have been more interesting as a memory episode in which we would have seen the first – it would have been interesting to have seen Sloan's grooming into Section 31 maybe, seeing him as somebody who was the public face and was very believing in the ideals of the Federation, came upon a problem that was too important to completely be ethical, recognizing the – and in a way which would have highlighted Bashir's choice to stay on the right side. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I can see your point saying that, and I I, I think the problem. I mean, even if they thought about doing that, I think the reason why that would not have been a good idea is that I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that the reason why they had Bashir and O'Brien go into Sloane's mind is because they didn't want to have this be an episode that was just about Sloane. Yeah, and. I think that was the right choice to bring our main characters into it, especially at could, this point, because it really would have turned into a preemptive strike situation at that point. Yeah, um, you I could also do both though. You again, you could have had Bashir and O'Brien witnessing these events of the past, characterizing the person, and then it again, it depends on the kind of episode you wanted to want to make. It, it, this show can handle one where the characters are discussing the morality of their actions. 
Maybe it couldn't, though. That's... I mean, yeah, maybe. You're, you're talking about the end of the seventh season of the show, and they're yeah. they're writing this very, very, very complicated serialized arc when they had never really told stories like this before. Maybe we're just seeing some exhaustion. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Exhaustion. I, uh, again, we've talked about certain writing techniques being developed over the next couple decades, and this is showing you know, part of that, maybe. This is a... A weakness. If they had had more time, if they had planned it out better, if they if that had been more standard practice, this episode might have been in the cutting room floor or been a much shortened. Right, because I think that that you know you said last week that you had the revelation that Section Thirty One was behind Odo's yeah. disease was was very disappointing, and I think that that was also the the wrong instinct as well. Um, not not your yeah, opinion, yeah, no, 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 the, the instinct to have Section Thirty One be behind the disease, and you know. I, I sound more down on this episode than I am. I mean, it's 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 well done. It's competently executed. It's directed well. The writing is is yeah. is strong. It's just on a fundamental concept level, I don't think it works. And you know, to me, again, if they had decided to bring someone else from Section Thirty One into it, I think it would have been more interesting. You know, they can be wrong. They can have wrong. They can have bad instincts yeah. sometimes. I mean, you know, no one is perfect. I mean, I'm sure that we have said things on this podcast that are ridiculous. Um, and so Sloan to me feels like a character that they were much more interested in than I am. And in a show that has so many secondary and recurring characters that are so strong and so memorable, if they pick one that they think is more interesting than the audience does, well, that happens sometimes. He, it, 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 It's... Sometimes you get a Kai win. Sometimes you get a Vedic Barile. Yeah, that's true. I guess the only – again, these two are fairly episodic. But one other point in the next episode, the the only other time I remember Section 31 being mentioned in that is when uh, Bashir talks to Odo and yeah. he explains, you know, they, they gave you the disease and you were a carrier. And Odo – Odo almost refuses to recognize a distinction between Section 31 and the Federation, even as Bashir saying, well, they're not really us. I don't see the, the difference. And and Bashir agrees with him. So yeah. And, and yeah, Bashir, I think, realizes his objections are weak, especially when he says, well, you know, we disavow any knowledge of. And Odo's saying, well, that's a very nice arrangement. Isn't that? I mean – the Federation would never actively do something to start a genocide. The Federation would never invent a virus to destroy an entire population. That would be wrong. That would be terrible. It is a shame that the founders just happen to have a disease that's going to kill them. And we, re- you know, we would love to do something, but we can't. So right. you know, it, it, it allows, in a way, the Section Thirty One, whether or not it exists anymore or not, because <laughs> it doesn't even need to exist is a scapegoat for the pet federation to pin actions on and get away scot free it is, it is in well, a, yeah. it is in a way the other side of Sloane's point that the federation needs to stay innocent somebody still needs to do these crimes these sins whatever you want to call them these breaches of ethics whatever uh but Odo's point is that unless you're condemning these breaches of ethics and you're trying to rectify them if you're benefiting from them it doesn't really matter who pulled the trigger 
Well, yeah, I, I, I think so, because it's making me realize that I think my primary objection to Section 31 is that it's, it's the it's the least interesting version of this that we yes. could have gotten. You know, oh, it's a shadowy, you know, intelligence organization that has worked in secret since the founding of the Federation that no one in the Federation government or Starfleet knows about. Okay, yeah. So, so what? Huh. Like, and that's uh, you know, it it would be more interesting if people did know about Section Thirty One, or if Section Thirty One really was this like one guy or whatever. But the fact that it is exactly what it purports to be, and there is, I'm, I keep waiting. Well, it's I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with Section Thirty One, and for everything to 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 be revealed, and for it to blow your mind, and it never happens. Uh, I, I, it's just a guy wearing <laughs> leather fetish gear again, which is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and and it just it, it, what? Like I don't know. I guess in a way, though, it feels naive compared to certain you know events in our government now i mean you can see a ver- we section 31 secrecy and if people find out about this again seems naive this is i i well it's kind of like they want to have plausible de- yeah. deniability for section 31 they they're they're saying that the federation uh is actually not as strong as it thinks it is and they need this shadowy organization yeah. that doesn't exist uh, uh that does exist i mean to 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 help them and to me, I think Odo's point in, in the next episode, The Dogs of War, is that, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, you need to you need to clean up your own house. You know, yeah. it, it's not an excuse. And I, I think that's probably accurate. But I don't know what we're really supposed to do with that. And, and the yeah. other thing, too, is, like, it's so churlish on their part to throw something like this into the franchise at the very end of it when other shows ostensibly would have to clean up this mess and you know charitably speaking i don't think that they are up to the task (laughs) i mean you know i like voyager and enterprise fine but the writing staff on those shows are not anywhere near as interested in or even capable of telling the sort of nuanced examinations of star trek that that deep space nine was and so it just feels like they're going fuck you guys see again i don't know really what enterprise i've never seen any enterprise but that's supposed to be around is it around the founding of the federation it's like 10 years before okay so i don't know if section 31 appears into this but it feels like if they wanted to go into the origins of this they can do and if it doesn't quite align with ds9 that's okay we're dealing with a few hundred years but does that happen i'm not gonna say oh i like you know i don't know that this is the last time i'm not gonna say this is the last time we really get any sort of like examination or or bashir and o'brien together no but but i i like the fact that they get one last adventure i like the fact that they have that scene um you know in in sloan's mind where they can't admit to each other how much they (laughs) love each other uh if it's a little gay panicky well it's star trek well i thought it's partially gay panicky yes but mostly on o'brien's he's a he's talking about the difference between i love my wife yes but you like me better and again he still feels i think guilty about that a little bit that you know, he loves his wife. He loves his family. When he's at home, he's totally happy. Everything is great. You know, when he was away from Keiko, it drove him nuts. 
But at the end of the day, if he's got a free hour and, you know, nobody minds, he would rather be spending it with Bashir because, you know, as much as Keiko is his wife, the two of them are brothers. And it's nice to see them, you know, acknowledge that and finally seal that friendship that was a long time in coming and had its, you know, rough spots, but eventually came to be extremely strong. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I think so. And and in the series finale, they have sex. Aw. That does not happen. Well, listen, you know, they, 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 it, Keiko, by, poor Keiko, she's, first of all, dealt with the, she's, ta- she's had two triads within her exact marriage. Uh, first of all, is the O'Brien Bashir and her, and then there was Cake. There was a uh, Kira for a little while. That's very too. true. Well, I I think if O'Brien came to Keiko and said he wanted to have a three way with Bashir, her and him, then Keiko would do it. Okay, she's very respectful and loves her husband. That's the the twenty third century, twenty fourth, twenty fourth century. So everything goes exactly, which I think is nice. Well, if this episode uh, uh, did not have a really enough plot uh, or, or anything enough to say to cover its running time uh, or justify its running time, I think the Dogs of War made up for oh, that. Oh, God. Uh, you know, in, in a very <laughs> real way. Yeah. Uh, and here's, you know, maybe maybe we could have taken out of the Nagus plot out of this and put it into the last of... We weren't getting away without the Nagus. Oh, no, let's get rid of it. I don't want it. No, no, no. I, no. I mean, like... The series finale. We were, yeah, we weren't going to finish the series without seeing the Nagus in while LaShawn knew it was coming, and I'm sure he... I didn't know if he was going to appear in the full episode because they first show him in that very staticky screen, and I was thinking, I wonder if they only have him in this video message so that we, he would have... You know, one afternoon of makeup, and he, they wouldn't have to do a fully good job because it's staticky and they can hide. But no, they had him in full makeup. Yeah, there. and of course, like I don't know. Did you the first time I watched this? Um, I remember this years ago, thinking about this and realizing, like, huh, they're static. What's going on there? Like, <laughs> they're, they're doing this for some reason. I don't know what reason they're doing this yeah. for because you don't just do something like that in a television show without there being some yeah, reason for it. But I was like, I don't know. And I guess, was it satisfying? I mean, Rom is now the Nagus? It's like, okay. You know, it, it was great to see uh, Quark in full-on Donald Trump mode where he's just going to be the richest and most powerful. And But unbeknownst to everybody, largely due to Moogie's influence, but the implication that these reforms have been very widespread. Number one, due to the addition of women to the voting populace, to the to the uh, profit-making populace, yeah, yeah. and so that assumedly is going to change the balance of power very heavily, but it doesn't seem like Zek's reforms are unpopular. No, it doesn't seem like they're unpopular. I mean, one of the things that, that I think is nice about this and and nice about the final arc in general i think and 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 especially with the with the last episode um, that we'll talk about next week is the the show does a good job of uh, showing and showing exactly the the extent to which all of the events of the Mm -hmm. last seven seasons have led up to a certain point yes and you know you see that last week in tacking into the wind with galron and Worf. Uh, having the duel, Worf killing Galron, and now Martok is the Chancellor. You know, you, you you see that in the events of what is happening with Kaiwen and Golducott with the Paw Wraiths and the Prophets. That's going to come to some sort of head yeah. next week. You you see that with the Dominion and the Cardassians, right? With Damar and his right. story in this. None of the major powers are are going to are end remotely the same as they began. In yeah, this. yeah. 
And and you see that with the Ferengis as well. Yeah. You know, I, I I mean, part of it to me is like, um, and this again is is going to sound very dated in five years if, if any of us are still alive to listen to this uh, because Donald Trump may start a nuclear war and destroy the world. But, you know, Moogie is kind of like the Steve Bannon to the Negus's Donald Trump. Like uh, she's uh, uh, really uh, the person behind the scenes that is driving a lot of what the Negus has been doing over the past couple of years. Except she is a person and not just a bunch of, you know, feces inside of uh, a sewn together bag of flesh. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a you know uncharitable um, in turn. You know, it was an uncharitable uh, um, I comparison. Comparison. That was an uncharitable comparison. I like looking at photos of Steve Bannon and thinking this man thinks he's genetically superior to. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that what you're really seeing here, and 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 I think that the episode does try and justify some of Quark's retrograde behaviors in episodes like um, Profit and Lace, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that he is an old school, old guard Ferengi traditionalist who has really been outside of, you know, in a way he's an expat. You yeah. know, he doesn't live on Ferenginar. He doesn't know what's going on there. He is someone who grew up there, was raised there, and now lives on this space station, doesn't go home very often, probably doesn't have much yeah. to do with, with Ferenginar. He is very, very influenced by the by the Federation, very influenced by um, Cardassia even. Yeah. And, you know, he feels guilty about it. And I think he's he's definitely Quark is a character that is 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 pushing himself in a different direction, which you see in this episode. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Nagus's reforms seem popular. No one really seems to to mind them that much. And Rom is now the Ferengi of the future. Well, there was the uh, what, what was this? The river of uh, river of greed, river of material. What, what was the. Thing that Are Rom- you talking about the, the, the Pink River of Slime from N- Ghostbusters 2, <laughs> In which faith- you, can, you can listen to by going to <laughs> trekaboutshow.com and looking for our Trek About Presents episode on that? Uh, Treachery Faith in the Great River. Sure. The Great River of Commerce or whatever the legend that mm-hmm. Rom's telling about. Again, that for, that that is an interpretation of commerce as – People have things, other people need the things, and that this great river passes through and flows all the goods to the other people. And that's a, that's a vision of moral capitalism. Whether or not moral capitalism can exist is a long conversation that a lot of people will have. But I think this version of Ferenginar, which is very much based around social programs and giving opportunities to other people and – while the end goal is still to accumulate wealth and still to – it's opening up that – Frankenar at the beginning of this series who was able to earn profit, who was able to be a full citizen in the society was extremely limited and now it has been extended to everybody. And if everybody on this planet wants to be running businesses and trying to profit and do well – and the state allows for all of that and provides a safety net for people who aren't doing well. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Frankly, Ferenginar at the end of the series under Rom's leadership doesn't seem like a horrible place to live. It no. rains all the time and there's bugs, but... Well, we're used to that. We live in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that, I mean, you know, on on some level i have a little bit of a problem with rom becoming the grand nagus only because it does you know it's that small universe syndrome again of course. Where there's only four people in the entire galaxy but of course to be fair 
it is the wife of the guy who is appointing the successor. But it's having, her son. So, but, but having Ishka fall in love with the Grand Nagus is kind of small universing it too. Mm. So, well, having the Nagus fall in love with Ishka, I think Ishka's plan was a lot more deliberate. Okay, that might be <laughs> that's probably fair. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's all fine. I, I don't know how much I have to say about Rom becoming yeah, the Grand Nagus. Like, it's it cute. Comes out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't really expect it the first time I saw this. It seems reasonable. Uh, I guess it's fine. I don't know. Is I mean, he going to make a good Nagus? I don't know. But yeah, it, it, it's if we want you at the end of the at the end of the series, we see a character we like who's been put down the entire time. We see a fool become a king in a lot of ways. And that's always fine to say. Yeah. And, I, you know, I guess my question for you, though, is like, what what is this episode trying to say about Quark and where he is? Well, for Quark, it almost I mean, Quark's final thing was like this bar is going to be the end of you know this is the last bash he's grand he's very much grandstanding at that point i think there i be be cork even admits in this episode that he's softened right he's going he's oh yeah and he's this is somebody who had it really bad and ended up missing the federation and so yes maybe the next two weeks at corks are gonna he's gonna be an asshole to all his employees and then he's gonna forget about it and something else is going to happen and i mean the war's about to come to a head so he's going to be distracted a little bit and i think things will go back to normal especially with the way he does toast his brother at the end you know it it, it does seem like he's just kind he's more disappointed at the fact that he was the nagus in everybody's mind for for a couple days there and now he's not and now he's pissed and so he's just blowing smoke yeah, and I guess for for to some degree too, I think that Quark does feel like you know he's being left behind again. Yeah, you know he. I think one thing you can say about Quark is that he is a little bit of a persecution complex, mm-hmm. and this is another way in which he's being persecuted <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, he's always at, you know he's 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 too soft for the old Ferenginar, but he's too hard for the new Ferenginar, and he's always going to be out of place. But again, it is his bar, and I think he no matter what. Quark has found that he he's able to make his place his own, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that is something that Quark is... That's the one thing Quark is good at. He may not be able to find his place, but he's done a very good job of making it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just on a production level as well, I, I always find this interesting that... Um, well, we're actually a good thing in a way because... If for this episode, this storyline does to me seem a little abrupt only because it was never really seeded before. Yeah. And it's only in the second to last episode of the series. And it's, you know, completely uh, uh, taken care of in that one episode. Uh, I, I believe the reason for that, and you'll probably have noticed this, that, that Quark uh, either wasn't in or mm. was only in one scene um, of like the previous two or three episodes. And and the reason for that was because Armin Shimmerman was, this was the same time that he was playing. Um, Buffy. The mayor, oh. though not the mayor, but the principal on Buffy, and so he was very busy it's with busy that. Thing, yeah. So I think that if he had not been playing that role, this uh, storyline may have been seeded through a few of the previous episodes in the same way that the you know Kaiwin and, and Goldie yeah, yeah, yeah. storyline was, for example. But I'm glad, kind of, that he wasn't available because I don't really want to see four episodes of this. Well, two things. Number one, and. In Buffy, he's wonderful. So that so it is worth it from that level. And it's Ferenginar. If Cardassia were 
dealt with in one episode, if Bajor were dealt with in one episode, if if Kronos were, you know, even dealt with very briefly in one episode, it would feel very disappointing. But it's Ferenginar. Yeah. We only, we never really took Ferenginar seriously. We did a very game job of it, and I'm very proud of how seriously we were able to take Ferenginar, but... Anytime they went to Ferenginar, it's because they wanted to have a comedy episode, right? So the fact that it's in one episode and it's done comedically and it's the last person you'd expect and it's all very lighthearted is okay for the storyline because I think that's the this, – this plot line is treated with the, the gravitas that it deserves, yeah. if you know what I mean. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and I think also it's a nice – you know, this episode to me feels, feels much more well-constructed than a lot of the other arc yeah. episodes. And, you know, I think primarily that's because the previous episode, uh, Extreme Measures, was, was so self-contained. <laughs> but also because the next episode, they're really feeding into the series finale yeah. at this point. And they're, this is their last opportunity to set, the, set that episode up. And so that is what they're doing. They're, they're getting rid of plot lines that they don't want to deal with yeah. in the series finale, frankly, I think. And, and seeding the ones that they do. And, of course, key to that is... Damar, Garrick, and Kira being yeah. left alone on Cardassia and having to start this this new resistance from scratch. Uh, well, yeah, to to briefly the plot lines that I'm care about the finale finish again the the revolution the the rebellion with Kira Garrick and of course Ben and the prophets and this final push to the Dominion. So yeah, having the Ferenginar storyline, having the Klingon storyline is going to be. Yeah, I, it, it gives me the hope that the last episode is going to be a lot tighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that that what you leave behind is as strong an episode as all good things, but it, it's it's good. I mean, I won't say anything more yeah. about it than that. Um, but but, but like, yeah, let's talk about Garrick and Kira yeah. and all of them. So I think in a weird way, this was a very very good choice. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we spent twenty twenty five minutes. Um, you know, going over and over about kind of the wrong impulses of extreme measures. Whereas I, I do think that having the, the, the armed rebellion of the Cardassians wiped out so thoroughly by the Dominion was the right choice dramatically because it really, really heightens the tension, the stakes and, and puts a laser focus on Cardassia prime going into the last two episodes of the series. And yet what I love is the, it Further, the thing we are going to see about the Dominion, what I assume will be the Dominion's downfall, is its cockiness. Really, it's underestimating everybody, and so it it's able to quash this rebellion. Whether that's because of somebody on the inside is giving them information, whether that's because Dominion Intel is that good. I mean, Kira even says it doesn't matter; it's happened already. You know, we right. have to deal with it. Um, whether or not we find out how it happens or not, again, I I don't know, but. She's right. It doesn't really matter. We have to deal with this. The the founders think, all right, we did the rebellion. That's it. And what happens is Damar has become a symbol by his possible death, by the rebellion, by his very act of being able to defy the Dominion enough to get 18 bases to be destroyed. He has mobilized the people when he reappears on the streets after they've done this you know when he comes as the van you know cardassia we must unite i mean he is i i have stopped worrying for cardassia seeing that from that scene because everybody on that planet is going to say no now 
Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, it, it again, that scene is so instructive to me because it really does show exactly um, the, the full extent of, of DeMar's journey yeah. as, as a character. He's become a hero, a Cardassian hero, but yet a hero nonetheless, somebody that even Kira at the end is – Kira's – has gained her respect for him at this point. She may not have agreed with everything he's done. She knows he's made the wrong choices, but I mean, this is a show that believes that people can be better than they are, that people can repent and be forgiven and all of that. And unless you're in section 31. Well, uh, (laughs) and well, I don't think Sloan repents at all at the end of that, but that's a different story. Um, And Damar is somebody who has understood what loss is, what the, what what the pains of oppression are what yeah. it is to be under a government that is occupying your people yeah. and he is finally doing his things for the right reason he is you know liberating the cardassians not because he wants them to conquer again but because it's right and because you know cardassia needs to be the leaders in a new galaxy the leaders of what i not I, I, again, I, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but this is going to go with Cardassia and the Federation working together. Yeah, they're going to have a working relationship, as are the Klingons, as are the Romulans, as is, you know, everybody in the Federation. This is a new version of the Alpha Quadrant. This is a new version of the galaxy. One that, I mean, it's going to be and, very difficult for all of these people to leave this war without being a little more Federationy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, not not to 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 jump ahead to next week because, of course, we haven't watched it yet, um, and we'll find out what what exactly happens um, on a plot level next week. But yeah. you know, just to, just to clarify that as well, this is it for. Yeah this era of star trek i mean star trek voyager was still going to be on the air i think for two more years after this but they're off in the delta quadrant they they have not they, they have nothing to do with what's going on in the primary star trek setting i mean do and they so even, this is the last real statement on this do they even know that there's a war going on in, um, in voyager Maybe <laughs> they might, but yes, they're not. But either way, it's not like you know Captain Janeway is going to come in for the finale and you know right. be a nice cameo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the USS Voyager doesn't find a way back to the Alpha Quadrant in season six, and they like start rebuilding the Alpha yeah. Quadrant. Like that doesn't happen. That's not what that show is. Yeah, wherever Cardassia ends this season series, wherever Kronos, to, we're not going to see how Kronos is going to thrive under Martok's leadership. That's left to our imaginations. Discovery is is a prequel series. If they're going, if they were to do, I, I, I think we've said this. It would be interesting to see the next generation to this era, yeah. and you know, then we would deal with uh, after a hundred years after you know Cardassia under Damar and Kronos under uh, Martok, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, and I, you know, again, I mean, I think it's it's difficult to talk about um, you know what's going on with Cardassia only because yeah. it is again a story that, that that's in the middle. You know, there's. You know, it is. Um, I, I like all the character stuff quite a bit. I mean, I think you're right that Kira is is starting to respect Damar a great yeah. deal, and I think that what's interesting to me though is is that Garrick. Like, are you waiting for Garrick to do something? He's he's know. really being not shady, but he's he's got some humility to him now, well, or I guess, something. You know, Garrick finally has a 
real purpose, though, because he's always his whole thing has been to get back to Cardassia, right? To get some kind yeah. of position back at Cardassia, and right now he is essentially the head intelligence guy for this new resistance. That's a hell of a gig. I think that you know whatever whatever Cardassia's new politics are going to look like. Garrick is going to have a place in this for Demar. For Demar, maybe he will be the head of their intelligence or yeah. whatever it is. It may not be quite as evil as the Obsidian Order was. Garrick will still get to torture and kill people from time to time. That's never going to go away in Cardassia, but a kinder, gentler Cardassia, maybe. Um, well, and I, I guess I, I don't. In other words, I don't think at the end, I don't think we're headed for Garrick about to say, ha ha ha, I've screwed you all. I've actually working for the Dominion this whole time. Nothing like that. No, I. I He's actually a founder. (laughs) What a twist. Um, And I knew that from the very beginning. I think it's more that Garrick is finally figuring out where he belongs. He's finally in his element. He's finally comfortable, oddly enough. Yeah, I think so. I think he finally. I mean, I th- also think that that you know this is what he's been wanting. Yeah, the entire time that he's been on the show, he's been wanting to go back to his home. And you know, he does say at the very beginning of the Dogs of War, like, "Oh, Cardassia, I forgot how beautiful it is." And it's not. I mean, it's yeah, you know, a ball of dirt and mud. But to him, it's beautiful, and that's really the point. Um, Hell, the uh, Ferengi find Fregan are beautiful. Remember in Magnificent Ferengi, they're talking very lyrically about yeah. their shitty planet, but it is still home. Right, yeah. But I, I, I think that that really does crystallize for me. And again, I, I don't want to talk too much about this because I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. You know, when we look back at the um, the whole, you know, season ending yeah. arc and also the, the, the show as a whole. But the 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 one problem i have i think with the the primary problem i have with the whole arc structure of the last 10 episodes or 9 episodes of the series is that it is very much plot focused it's driven by plot it's yeah. driven by story in a way that was never integral to deep space 9 like certainly we were interested in the plot certainly we were interested in what was going to happen but there was still a lot of time within this show for character studies and things like that. And we're not getting a lot of that. We're getting a little bit of it. But there's just so much to juggle on a plot level. Yeah. And they're really putting so many things in motion that you know, if, if they had done this in a more traditional way, maybe it would have been more satisfying. I, I, I don't know. But I think that, that that's the one thing that I keep coming back yeah. to. Because I, I think that's why I keep bringing up, like, what is Garrick doing? What is Quark doing? Because, uh, frankly, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I guess part of it for me is I am still reeling from everything that's happening. So I can definitely, you know, now that you're mentioning it, yes, I can see some differences. It's not mattering to me in a first watch just because I am what's going to happen next. How is this going to all end? There's one episode left. What's it going to be? What's going to happen to Ben? What's going to happen to the, you know, I I am asking the plot questions right now. Um, we yeah. have spent... I think this works less well on a rewatch. Yeah, I mean, we've spent seven years with these people, so for me, it's like, all right, you know, everything's been set up, and now here's everything happening. This is the payoff for all of this, but at the end of the day, it is true that I will be remembering the characters more than plot points. Yeah, yeah. Well, to to that end, I mean, there's there's a couple uh, romantic subplots we should deal with before we end this episode. I have to admit something. During the Jadzia, no, during the during the Esri and Julian bits, 
I, I stopped paying attention. I'm yeah, sorry. Fine. I was just like on Twitter or something because it's just I, – I, I assumed that they were just saying traditional crap to each other. And it They're like, I don't like you. I, I don't like you. Let's just be friends. Just... Blah, blah, blah. That's what they were doing. That's all they were doing. Stupid. And then they get in the elevator together and by the time they get to ops, they're making out like crazy and then Eric, Will sends them away. It's a turbo lift. Whatever. Uh, the point is – yeah. Okay. Good. That's fine. That's that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Um. And Ben finds the new love of his life, Defiant Junior. Yeah. I was a little sad they they named it after Defiant, but uh, why? I don't know. Like it 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 would. It's a little on the nose, maybe. Maybe but... like resilient or something like that. You know, give it a refiant. Um, refinance the USS refinance. <laughs> <laughs> they let Quark name it. <laughs> the USS come to Quark's bar for beverages and food. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I it's, think it's fine. I, I, it feels a little like, oh, it was such a big deal that we lost this ship and now it's back again. Like, and it's the exact same ship. That said, we do want Ben to... Well, it's not the exact same ship because the carpet's different. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. Um, we do need Ben charging into the final battle in a yeah. sexy new ship, so that's, you know... That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that he gets one. So I guess the only interesting thing in Ben's story, then, is that he's... For... The Federation has contraceptive injections for men. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... I'm glad you picked up on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that that was very like, oh, okay. It's always one of those lines where people are like, I don't think it means that because uh, Cassidy says uh, uh, one of us forgot to take our injection. And they're like, well, it could have been either one of them. And it's like, dude, come on. That is, that but is, then immediately he says, "Ah, oh, right." I was so busy. She's teasing, you know, and she's it's very him. yeah. It's very somebody forgot to get his. You know, yeah. It is very clear that you know, yeah. That that was. I assume that both of them are getting an injection, though, but I don't know. But anyway, I guess to be safe. Well, no, I think yeah. it's, I think it's implied that it's his responsibility. No, it, yeah, I mean, my, I mean, if he's taking birth control, then she wouldn't have to. That's I mean, that's why she got pregnant. <laughs> I mean, if she if they yeah. both were taking it, she wouldn't have gotten pregnant. See, now for me, you know, if there is contraception, that's for both. That's you know, minimal to not no side effects, which we're going to assume that you know women will have as well. Again, to be safe, it's not going to hurt to double up. But anyway, we're not. That's the cis. That's the well. I mean, that's not, the Cisco's business. It's not really. It, it, and, it's and it's what mean, their decision is. Yeah, but I also think. I mean, I think it is important, and this is maybe a, a conversation more about our, our modern day society than the, the society of the twenty fourth century. But you know, I, I, I do think it is important for um, it to be the man's responsibility yeah. in the relationship to. Uh, not get them pregnant because yeah. that has traditionally been the woman's responsibility. That has traditionally been something that uh, women always um, are are faced with the yeah. vast, vast majority of the emotional labor, physical labor um, of, 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 you know, raising children. Um, so having it be the province and responsibility of the man in the relationship, I think is very progressive and forward thinking. Oh yes. No. And I completely agree with that. I mean, from my view of the, you know, when you're single, yes, you should, you handle your own birth control, obviously before they got together, we can assume that Cassidy was something and then that they had a conversation. Oh, well I'll just, it's, it's easy. I can just go to Julian every, you know, 
every month, you know, you're going to be on cargo mission. So, you know, you don't have to worry about could it even again, it's their their discussions, their business. But yeah, uh, either way to put somebody thought of that detail and thought that, you know, OK, well, it's going to be that Cisco forgot his birth control that month. And you're right that 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 alone is a tiny but progressive statement. Yeah, yeah, and also, I mean, I think it's um, you know, again, there's not too like, we they can do this sort of thing. They can get Cassidy yeah. uh, uh, pregnant and and have them have a child because it doesn't matter because yeah. they're not going to have to deal with the consequences of this. There's not going to be a season eight with a little baby in the picture. That would be yeah. kind of horrible, actually. Uh, but it, it is the kind of thing where it's it's a good choice and it's also raising the stakes even more for. Yeah. And, you know, Cast even says as much like what the prophet said at the beginning of this arc about yeah. how he will all he will know is sorrow if he marries Cassidy. Like she's really freaked out and worried and scared for this. And uh, we don't know what the result of this is going to be. Yeah. In a way, Ben sort of suggests at the end that that's going that's the case anyway. Any any couple has a baby. They're going to there is a risk of sorrow happening. Right. Anytime you get into a relationship with somebody there is a chance of sorrow happening yeah you know, we could all at any moment develop cancer and die so the the very cheery <laughs> hey you know we could at any moment you know get a fascist government instated you know that will take over um steve bannon could turn out to be a pile of insects into in a burlap sack uh the world is full of miracles um I forgot where I was going with no, like th- there, there is a degree to which Ben has made his choice to defy the prophets by marrying Cassidy, and they've made their decision. They could sit around and worry, or they can't. You know, sitting around yeah. and worry isn't going to help them. They've, they've, they've rolled their dice, and now they're going through it. And you know, as worried as they naturally are, especially in light of what is about to happen on this series, there is um they have to look at this as a moment of joy. This yeah. is this may be the last normal moment that the that the two and the fetus have as a as a family, right? It's possible. I mean, the, the find out what happens next week. Well, in, in the episode, which is not at all ominously titled "What You Leave Behind," I mean that 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 that's not making me have speculations at all. They all die <laughs> except for the baby. I win, and it turns out it's a founder. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, you got it. Oh well, I I looked ahead. Well, it's it's almost happened, Richard. We're almost at the end. Um, I'm really nervous oh it'll be fine it'll be fine don't worry about it i've um got friday night booked to watch this and have some tissues i i was gonna say i'm gonna cry aren't i because i fucking bawled at uh at all good things and operation annihilate or mission earth or whatever it was called that made me cry too turnabout intruder yes yeah that was bad <laughs> that's very very bad well uh not going to pretend you don't know the name of the episode we're doing next <laughs> week but uh if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed extreme measures or the dogs of war please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com you can check out our patreon patreon.com slash trekaboutshow support us monetarily with a monthly contribution uh there are some perks there you can check out and it's also a very good time uh to support our podcast because uh, we're starting Voyager in uh, a couple weeks. We are starting a new show on tuning in next week, uh, which I will tell you about in just a minute. 
And, um, you know, it helps us feel like people appreciate us. Yes. And also we need as much money as we can for when we need to flee the country because of Donald Trump. No, because of Steve Bannon. Either or, really. Some ugly ass white person that looks like, you know, a sack of shit. Yep. Because they are. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Trek About Show is our name in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for Trek About. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Now, as promised, in two days is the series finale podcast of United States of Terra. And then, the week after that, we're going to be starting our next show on Tuning In. (gasps) I think everyone out there is going to be very excited to hear this. We, uh, we announce it on Tuning In, but we'll announce it a couple of days ahead of time for oh you people. God. The loyalists. We are doing uh, something that is going to take us years and years and years. It is about uh, 2,500 seasons long, I believe. And then 13 and a half movies. And the last four are five-hour experimental films where it's just like sets of empty apartments for like an hour. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we're kidding, of course. It's, it's not going to take us that long. And it's very exciting because it's a great show. I was very excited that Richard agreed to do this because I like this show a lot. You're very excited? Yeah. It's The X-Files. <gasps> so uh, listen to that and enjoy it. Because we're enjoying the show. Tuning in is getting back to science fiction. Okay. And that seems to be where people like us. (laughs) We have a wheelhouse, I guess. (laughs) Wait till we do my so-called life. You're going to have so much fun. Yeah, bear with us. A lot of transitions going on here because we've got a track about moving into Star Trek Voyager in a few weeks. We've got tuning in, moving into the X-Files. And moving away from a show that's all about transitions. (gasps) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be scary and have a lot of changes going on, but we'll, we'll get through it. And uh We'll be here for you. And you'll be here for us. Yeah. Well, next week, this is it, Richard. The I'm... last episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And it's a double episode. It is a double episode, two hours long. Well, really an hour and a half, but, you know. If we watch commercials in between. Maybe I will. I'll just I'll just pause it at every commercial break and stare at my dog for five minutes. No, you can go on like YouTube and just get like uh, 1998 commercials, and they'll you know give you like a 15 minute reel, and you can just you know watch a few every so often. 1999. 99. Oh. But yes, maybe I will. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the series finale of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. What you leave behind.